Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here once again to lead you through these hard times. That it, with episode 194 of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. And while this may be your favorite professional wrestling podcast, this is not our favorite type of episode to do because this is an instant reaction show to the breaking news that came down Saturday that WWE has released Bray Wyatt. Let me say that a second time in case it sounded weird to you. WWE has released Bray Wyatt. Now we're gonna break down all of it momentarily. You guys know off the top, I just gotta tell you, we're all about the five here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five-star rating and review. Let people know how much you love the show. It's really important. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And lastly, I should note, Vintage Chris Vanini is indeed here with me. I'm going to have to break down this news before he gets into the show, but he will be joining us with his thoughts and opinions as we continue this instant reaction show. So yes, I'm going to say it a third time, folks. WWE on Saturday released Bray Wyatt. And this shocking news came out just after noon. And it's tough to really truly break it down, right? Because we don't totally have a full understanding of all the circumstances that go into releases, and particularly this one, which seems to be a little bit unique. However, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, after the release, reported that Wyatt was given, quote unquote, budget cuts as the reason for his release, and he was actively preparing for his WWE return in August, which is basically this month. We're taping this on July 31st. Tomorrow is August, and that dates were already booked and scheduled for him to be back with WWE. Now, this information just floors me, as if releasing him on its own wasn't a surprise The fact that he was booked to return, a guy of Bray Wyatt's caliber, and you're releasing him, it's just shocking. This guy is only 34 years old. He's a three-time world champion in WWE. You're about to bring him back, and you just cut him, just like they actually did bring back Aleister Black, only to then cut him after one appearance. Now, assuming Meltzer is correct, and this is not related to anything else, physical injury, mental health, There was some stuff that was speculated, but never confirmed. Assuming Meltzer is correct, this is an absolutely mind-boggling decision by WWE, which I can only say is continuing to actively dismantle and decimate the talent on its own roster. In effect, they're continuously damaging their own creative product with Wyatt being the biggest shocker in a long line of surprises from that standpoint. Wyatt was basically permanently over with fans, but never given consistent booking over his 12 years in WWE. There's two things that are for sure here. The first is that WWE bungled nearly every version of Bray Wyatt. That's not to say there were no successes, because there were plenty of extended month upon month periods where he was over and it was working. But it was mistake after mistake. They should have put him over Randy Orton at WrestleMania, but didn't. That was such a horrendous decision. His first title run went nowhere. The Fiend, when it came back, was white hot as a brand new gimmick, only for them to give us the horrendous booking against Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. 
Then, because the reaction to that was so loud and so negative, WWE basically felt its hand was forced and they gave him the title, putting him over Seth Rollins, which was another terrible decision. And then, as if all of that was not enough, WWE had a solid gold storyline ready for WrestleMania. The leader of the Wyatt family, who's now turned into the fiend, getting retribution against all the guys that have screwed him over in his career, against Roman Reigns, the number one contender. But they have him drop the title to Goldberg instead. The other thing that's not up for debate is that WWE's roster today, this Saturday, the second he got released, is worse without Bray Wyatt. This is a generational talent from a creativity standpoint. And while much of that creativity did ultimately sneak through creative onto WWE television, you could still feel like it was stifled in some way. Wyatt had the opportunity, I should say WWE had the opportunity in Wyatt to make him the new age version of The Undertaker. That constant, somewhat supernatural top guy who could reinvent himself over and over again and be relevant to the main event picture for another decade. Guy's 34, for at least 10 more years. Instead, WWE has now lost nearly an entire upper mid-card slash main event division of talent in Miro, Andrade, Malachi Black, Braun Strowman, and even Murphy, plus Bray Wyatt, all due to cuts in the last few months. That's not even mentioning John Moxley or Daniel Bryan's contract expiring or all these other things that happened. But of that list I just gave you, two former world champions, three guys who could have been champion, and another in Murphy who is perhaps the most underutilized out of anyone just because he was never really given an opportunity. It is a sad state of affairs right now to be a WWE fan, to be someone who covers the product and saw all of those guys get called up and brought up to the main roster and be working there for such a long period of time, again, in Wyatt's case, over a decade, only to see them get released and wonder, Chris, still, what could have been with their talent. Yeah, another day, another shocking news release. This is different because we've seen a lot of cuts this year, but they came in bunches. This one is not, this is a singular cut, which is why I don't I don't buy the, the budget cut you know, reason. They give that to everybody. I, I don't know what the reason was. Like you said, there are various rumors out there. We, we, we don't know. But it really is something that this comes just a few days after the WWE investor call when Vince McMahon makes the comment that, a, that they can keep, you know, giving talent to AEW, essentially taking a dig at AEW for signing you, so many WWE releases. You know what? I don't I don't want to cut you off and I'll let you get back really quick. But it kind of proves that that's what they actually believe. Right. Because yeah. you're, you're not going to cut these guys if you're worried about AEW. Now, I think it's stupid that they're not worried about AEW, but it kind of proves that they actually believe that. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. They, it, clearly, they they think it's it's, it's fine. And. Man, with, with, with Bray's different than all the other cuts. I know you, you are higher on Malachi Black, Aleister Black than I am and was. But without a doubt of all the cuts this year, Bray Wyatt's at the top of the list for, for sure. He's a, he is a multi-time world champ. He is one of the most interesting characters in all of pro wrestling. And when I look back 
at his WWE career. I don't want to say they didn't try to use him. I mean, you you laid it all out. The guy got two John Cena WrestleMania matches. He's a multi-time champ. You know, he they tried to do everything. They, they tried to do a lot with him, but they could never quite figure out how to do it. They you didn't know? allow themselves to go all the way. Right. We 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 like a version of Bray Wyatt. It doesn't really work. It goes away. They bring back a new one, the Fiend, and they push him right to the top because they think that's what we want. And then that's not that's not exactly what we want. They 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 could never find the right balance. The only time th- there were periods where they got it right. But when I saw the news, the very first thing I did was go back and watch the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena, which was the coolest thing in wrestling in a decade and it's still every time you go back and watch it you, you, you see something different that you missed the previous time you watch it that felt like bray wyatt fully unleashed fully giving into his vision and i know he had plenty of help on, on putting that together but a, a real vision of what that character could be and i was frustrated that they didn't go back to more of that in the thunderdome pandemic era but Man, what a absolute loss. Another completely self-inflicted loss. I I I don't get this one. I, I get it because they didn't know what to do, clearly. But man, they are letting generational talents walk away from this company. Like, I know you're just kind of spitting off the dome there, Chris. But I don't know if not knowing what to do with him to bring him back is correct. Because again, I'm just going off of the report that they plan to bring him back in August. I mean... Alistair Black, they released and they ran vignettes for him and re-debuted him and they released him one week later, a couple days later. So it's all just, it's mind boggling to me. Like, look, I'm not saying that some of the people who were released deserve to be released. No one deserves to lose their job. But when you go down the list, there's people where you look at it and you say, I get it, right? Even someone who I love, who I was on my list that I mentioned earlier in the show today, Andrade. I love Andrade. It wasn't going to work in WWE. He couldn't cut a pure English promo. For some reason, WWE didn't want to repair him with Zelina, even though they had re-signed her. Um, they just didn't want to book him as a top guy, and he wasn't going to be happy unless they did. So okay, like I get it. The Iconics, it's like, man, I hate to see them go. I wish they were still in WWE today. But okay, maybe in WWE's creative eyes, the gimmick ran its course. They're, you know, people like them, but they're not one of the most popular superstars or, or women superstars or anything like that. So okay, they're cuttable. Bray Wyatt's not cuttable. This is a guy who moves merchandise. Same with Braun Strowman. Guys who move merch, whose gimmicks get over, who, who can be booked so damn poorly. But then you give fans a shred of something to chew on and they buy back in. Think about the cheers that Braun Strowman was getting in that triple threat match with Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. This is a guy, I don't want to say he was ruined, but he was totally irrelevant in WWE for a while. And he had taken a lot of time off. I believe either he had like a staph infection or he had some other injury or ailment where he he had to be away from TV for a while. But they bring him back and somehow figure out a way to get him over again. And then he's in a WWE championship match and then they release him like a week or two weeks later. So I don't even know that. I don't think it's a booking st- issue. I just think like they have some warped idea of what they want and it is counter to what fans want. At least it's counter 
to their hardcore fans. It almost feels, Chris, as if it's active contempt. Like all of those guys I mentioned on that list, with the exception of Strowman, let's say, were massively over with these smart fans who voiced their displeasure at the inconsistent booking and inability of WWE to push all of these guys strong. WWE, you know, a year ago, as of a year ago, had assembled an all-time wrestling roster. Yeah. Unmatched in the history of the industry from a talent perspective. And nothing against anyone who's still on the roster because it is still ridiculously talented. Don't get me wrong. But it has really taken a little bit of a dive here. Miro and Andrade, Black, Murphy, these guys were supposed to be the next wave of talent that moves to the mid-card and top level. Wyatt was supposed to be a guy who you elevate to a full-time main eventer, again, akin to The Undertaker, especially now that he's 34. But no, rather than figure out ways to integrate all of these guys into different storylines and give some of them a month in the sun and then take them off TV for a month and rotate your talent or do anything unique and creative, let's get Biggie versus Apollo Crews for the 17th time this year. By the way, that's not an exaggeration. Their Friday match was the 16th time they were across the ring from each other in 2021. I understand that WWE wants to show record profits to investors. You want to cut 15 people off your roster for some savings that you can put on your balance sheet? I get it. You're a publicly traded corporation. But asking your fans to remain dedicated to your company while you're axing some of your top tier talent that is over and releasing like, I don't know, 30 people, 40 people this year. Are you really going to save money long-term not having Wyatt on TV and selling merchandise and selling tickets for you than you are by not paying his salary? It doesn't make a shred of sense to me, man. No, and and like we said, this comes right after the earnings call, which appeared to be pretty positive for, for WWE, but it, it really... These cuts, the the comments about AEW on the investor call come right at a time when AEW is rumored to be adding some potential big names. And I don't know where Bray Wyatt's going to end up after this. He could go to any place he wants to. He could go into movies and and succeed. The dude easily, yeah. The dude is a another worldly talent. But I don't know how this strategy works in the long term of. The wrestling, like WWE's not going away. They're going to be fine. They, like they're they're making record profits. Everything's fine. But I just feel like long term, this is not the, the the strategy that keeps and keeps fans and, and gets fans back compared to what the other company's doing, which is signing the people that people like and doing that's, the things that's that the people crazy, like. That's the crazy thing. It's like okay, so we, we discussed earlier, and you brought up the great point that I kind of just doubled down on, which was. WWE said on the investor call, they don't see AEW as competition. They're not concerned about them. And then they go out and release someone who, if AEW signed them, is another feather in their cap, right? It's another unforced error, as I put it, with Daniel Bryan and with uh, Aleister Black. But it's at some point, there's going to be that precipice. There's going to be that mark where it starts changing. Yeah. Because ultimately... Even though WWE is no longer world wrestling entertainment, it's WWE and Vince doesn't like saying wrestling. 
and they talk about themselves as an entertainment company, not a professional wrestling company. Even though all that is, you know, what's happening right now, at some point, you have to realize your fans are not watching you for drama and comedy. They're watching for drama and comedy within the realm of this exciting sports adjacent product that is professional wrestling. And if you have another company that is readily available on American television to the same number of households as yours, and they're putting on a little bit less television per week, but the television they're putting on is using all their top stars. Oh, and by the way, a lot of the guys that fans loved from your company that you couldn't figure out how to book and that or and or that you cut for no good reason, they're going to start watching that company. Right. And they're, they're, they're not picking up guys that were fine with seeing go. They're picking up guys that were already over. Right. That's the thing. Like, it, it's one thing. OK, so there's always, you know, the whole thing with AEW of Cody saying we're not just going to hire everyone that WWE releases. That was like at the beginning. And now that they've hired a ton of WWE people, people are kind of coming back at AEW like, oh, well, what about that? Here's the thing. AEW is basically hiring everyone who WWE releases. They're just only hiring the people they release that have value. Right. But they're not really discriminating. When, like They've hired basically everyone. The only person that's been released from WWE that is not in AEW, in my mind, that is like a massive star that I think, you know, would be a difference maker for them is Braun Strowman. And that's probably because his 90 day non-compete hasn't finished. And maybe even if it does, he doesn't wind up there. He's not really a great fit for AEW. But that's like one dude. Like Zack Ryder not being there is not an indication that AEW is not hiring WWE talent. And he was there. And well, he made one appearance. Or yeah, two yeah. appearances. Yeah. But, my, but my point is that's not an indication. Mickey James not going there is not an indication. These low carters and mid carters who've never really got over that don't go to AEW doesn't mean that AEW isn't buying up and signing up all these dudes. They are. But guess what? They should be. When Cody first made that comment, he was not anticipating that Andrade and Aleister Black and Daniel Bryan and all these guys would be available. He was thinking, oh, if WWE trims like the lower part of its roster, we're not necessarily going to pick up all those guys because we have talent that's equal to or better than that. All the talent that AEW signed from WWE has been equal to or better than their mid-card and upper-card. So they're benefiting from this in a massive way. And there's going to be a tipping point. There's Chris, there's going to be, and I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, I do, where the momentum gets so great for AEW that they start beating Raw. It's not head-to-head, it's different nights, it's different competition, especially once Monday Night Football gets into play. But AEW's already getting 1.1 million, you know, occasionally, Mm -hmm. very rarely 1.2 million. And Raw has been as low as 1.5. So is it really going to take that much when you were talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and possibly Bray Wyatt now joining your company that 300,000 people you can get to watch your product? I think they can. Well, I'd be shocked if it's not more, to be honest with you. Well, and and think about this timing and we'll we'll get into... WWE, the shows on our Tuesday show like we always do. But Cena's going to be, Cena's leaving in, what, September or something probably? Like Mm -hmm. right around after SummerSlam? That's right around the apparent time that CM Punk and Daniel Bryan could make their way into AEW. And if that happens, right as Cena dips out, AEW has this big splash. Totally. Where do you go? There's nobody left. 
to 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 bring back to bring up to hire from the indies that's going to make a splash and that coupled with all the talent that they've cut like that's where it becomes if that momentum gets going what can WWE do to stop it that that's the biggest question because AEW has a lot of this talent signed to long-term deals and the talent that AEW has signed that is not former WWE talent so let's say like the Lance Archers and the Darby Allens and the MJFs, even if their contracts were expiring, they're not going to WWE. No way. I mean, maybe you get like a Kip Sabian or one or two of the women are really that, that ain't moving the knee. That ain't moving the knee. But that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's not even like there could be the talent. Like in the WCW WWE Wars days, the, the Monday Night Wars, there was talent going both ways. Now, there were a couple of occasions, obviously, when the outsiders joined WCW. That was a huge influx of top-tier WWE talent that was really interesting in that time. Xbox soon followed all of that. And then when WWE brought in Chris Jericho, certainly, but also the, uh, I'm forgetting, the, the, the Radicals, when they brought them in that like little wave, mm-hmm. that wave like in, contributed to finally putting the bullet in the head of WCW. Like it, it wasn't the thing that did it. It was AOL Time Warner and financials and all these other things. But they, there was a huge set of talent that just left that company and came to WWE and got pushed really hard and really heavy immediately. And that's what's happening here. It's just going in the other direction. But the difference is that AEW has only been around two years. Right. It's already getting 1.1 million. And... Honestly, many of the shows in that first year weren't very good. Like, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who thought I'm way too critical of AEW. That wasn't the case. I just treated AEW the same way I treated WWE. I watch the show. I tell you what I like, tell you what I don't like. If you've been listening to our Thursday shows, I've been screaming praises for AEW over the last month. Why? Because their shows have been incredible. Yep. Dynamite's been great. And now with Dynamite being great, with Malachi Black making his in-ring debut this coming Wednesday, you have the potential to add, on top of all the people you've already added from WWE, Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Like, what is WWE doing, especially knowing now? Like, Chris, I'll let you get back in after this. What's really crazy is WWE knows now that Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are basically going there. Right. And they're like, you know what? We could save Bray Wyatt and re-debut him in September when John Cena leaves, like you're kind of saying, mm-hmm. and makes a little bit of a news, a little bit of splash for us. Now, you know what? Why don't you go take him too? Th- this is what I'm saying where the, the rumors are so out there. Like, like it's th- they know at this point what's out there. And there was... Is there a response? Is it just same old, same old going into SummerSlam? Because so far, you know, the shows we've gotten have largely been typical formulaic stuff. And is what's going to shake things up if someone else is going to shake it up? I, I don't know what that point is. Is that point when will there be a day when when AEW beats Raw and then that's the moment that like. But let's Vince, say they wake Vince up. Takes- let's make believe WWE. I want to I want to position this to you. OK, well, here, well, here, here's. W, no, 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 listen, listen, yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah, AEW yeah. beats Raw. AEW gets 1.6 million one week. Raw gets 1.5 million, okay? WW wakes up, holy shit, we're in trouble. There's nothing they can do. Well, th- this is, what the way they came back 
against WCW was not by signing new people and doing new things. It was Booking letting letting Shawn Michaels and DX do more edgy stuff. Letting letting Stone riding Stone Cold, bringing up The Rock, like doing edgier stuff. That's how because the NWO was edgy. WWE was still in the new generation type of of era. They had to get edgier. True. Is, is WWE going to get edgier right now? I no don't. Way. I don't know. That's the thing with all the sponsors with the publicly traded company with talking about how much they don't like the blood and guts. Like, I, I don't know what exactly you can change within what you have uh, to, to, to do that. Like, cause you have to change the direction of what you're doing and, and they don't and seem like released, they're going to want to do that. And they've released a couple of guys who could be successful to that end. Yeah. Like you're talking about like the rock, right. Or Steve Austin being able to do what they want. Bray Wyatt's that dude. Mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt's that dude where you say, Bray, go nuts. Take the mic, go out there, do whatever you want. But they just cut him. Firefly <laughs> Firefly Funhouse was... Daniel Bryan, by the way, is another one of those guys. I'm Firefly Funhouse was something that every week I wanted to see it. For the most part. It was it was just different. It was interesting. You know, Bray had a lot of different, you know, uh, personas. But the Firefly Funhouse version of him, I thought was always compelling and in in they sometimes scratch the surface of what you could could do with him but that was so interesting when that happened i remember the first firefly fun house everybody thought it was ridiculous thought it was stupid and then we got a couple more of them and we really got into it and it became a must watch type of thing the guy has the talent to make anything work and i'm just so i'm just so surprised you would let some some somebody go like that somebody who pushes what is really an art form, someone who clearly admires what is an art form. And you saw in that Firefly Funhouse, a guy who can just do something nobody else can do. Also known as someone who has it. Bray Wyatt has it. You could go ahead and say Braun Strowman doesn't have it. All right. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. Okay. Maybe Andrade, super good wrestler, charismatic dude, but doesn't have the entire package. He doesn't have it either. Bray Wyatt, by any stretch, has it. And it's just, it's shocking that they would make this decision on top of all the other bad talent decisions they've made recently, on top of knowing what their competition, yes, competition, AEW, seems to be doing in the next two months that is going to blow them out of the water if not from a ratings or money standpoint, at least a creativity standpoint, at least a publicity standpoint, you're going to have people doing the yes chant, which by the way, they were doing Friday night on SmackDown and the yes and no chant, both of them. You're going to have people doing that in a WWE arena while the guy (laughs) who does the yes chant is over on AEW. (laughs) You're going to have WWE going back to Chicago where they're going to be chanting CM Punk while CM Punk is on the competition. Imagine the CM Punk chance if he's in AEW. It's going to be definite. It's going to take over shows. It's going to completely take it over, and it's going to be their own fault. Not, yeah, that, they, it, not, not that they could have brought CM Punk back now. Sure. I mean, they'd right. have to have backed up $10 million to get him. They're not going to do that, but everything else is their fault. Right. And, and one other th- when, another thing, when, when the news came out today, I watched the Firefly Funhouse again. I also watched the Wyatt versus the shield wild family versus the shield match elimination chamber 2014 that crowd was chanting this is awesome before the match even started 
that environment was insane. They had that was when the future became the present. They had the they brought all these guys together and had done an incredible job with them. And they built these guys who could be for most of them. You knew were going to be future stars. Just two of them are left in the company now. Roman and Seth, obviously champs. Obviously, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley had a good run, but he decided to leave. Bray Wyatt is now gone. Brody Lee uh, was let go. Rest in peace. And not now he's obviously no longer with us. But man, that was that was Rowan's a moment. gone. Ron Strowman's gone. The only person that was ever in the Wyatt family who's still left is Randy Orton. Randy Orton. Yeah. Daniel Bryan's gone too. Yep. I mean, yep. literally every member of the Wyatt family except yep. Randy Orton is gone. Yep. By the way, okay, real quick, what was your favorite version of Bray Wyatt? Um, Wyatt family. It was the best. I mean, yeah. the fiend, the fiend was great. Uh, the, the subverting of our expectations by like the vignettes that started the Firefly Funhouse. And then we saw the Firefly Funhouse and I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. Like you thought this is going to be terrible. All of a sudden it's incredible. Then you learn about the fiend and you see the fiend and you're like, holy shit. This is next level creative. Legitimately scary. In legitimately scary, crazy shit. They're putting this on television. I can't believe it. All that, he's snapping guys' necks. Like, all that type of stuff. It was crazy awesome. But the cult leader, the Bray Wyatt um, eater of worlds, if you will, it had such a great storyline. It had such a great the mentality of it, getting a family behind him as a cult leader for a faction like that. And it had the, it had such a long way to go and so many different ways in which it could have been developed and altered and changed over years upon years upon years. And they just never got to it. So it was both my favorite incarnation of him and the most I was ever disappointed because he should have beaten Randy Orton at WrestleMania. He should have been booked as a dominant champion. The Wyatt family should have expanded. He should have gotten into other people's heads, uh, women on the roster, other, other guys, and grown it like a real faction. And they just never took any of those steps. But you can't look at that character and the feuds they had, the Shield, obviously, the Randy Orton feud, forget about the WrestleMania match, the feud, the Daniel Bryan feud and storyline. It was just incredible. The Fiend... It never really had that. The Braun Strowman yeah. feud sucked. Uh, the John Cena one was good, obviously, and the Firefly Funhouse match was great. But even when The Fiend came back, the stuff with Randy Orton, it was good. It wasn't great. Uh, the stuff with Alexa Bliss, it was good, but then it ended terribly. So I think the Eater of Worlds, the cult leader, it had more success. And it also had a longer trajectory where it could have gone, neither of which we actually saw. Yeah, I also liked the cult leader... Bray Wyatt with the Hawaiian shirt. That that was th that was something we'd never really seen before. Cutting promos in a way we'd never really seen before. And and that version of him, and when he kind of became that butcher version when he was briefly a face for a minute, he is a very good worker. And the 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 fiend, the spookiness part of it, sometimes I think distracted or took away from his ability to really be incredibly explosive. I mean, the guy's a former junior college All-American football player. For a guy his size, his footwork is very impressive. And those moments when he you, when he would charge out of the corner and, and, and do something were really just like a big guy who moved in a way we didn't quite see often. And we saw that early on with, with the cult leader and then the, 
the, the, the other version, but the later versions of him, we didn't get to see that as much, but, but the dude is talented in, in every single aspect you could look for. And, and I'm just, just you still can't believe that this, that, that, that this is where, uh, it's this is where it's ending, at least for now. It's honestly- oh, actually one more thing. One more thing. When, when, oh, it might've been the debut of the cult leader when they kidnapped Kane and then nothing came of that. Kane was just gone for a little bit and then he came back and it was never really acknowledged. That was a sign right away when I was like, okay, they don't totally know what to do here. Cause I was expecting, like you said, maybe they brainwash Kane and he works for them and you do other things. Uh, it was at a survivor series. I think when, when they, when they took Kane back and that was a sign of, okay, they don't totally know what exactly they want to do with this, but, but it was still at the time, such a, a cool thing. And, and he was, he was more over than John Cena at that, at that WrestleMania 30 match. That was another spot where, man, if he had won there and where they could have gone with him and, and they, they got him back to, to that level, but, but sucks to see where it ends. It does. I should note before we get out of here, Bray Wyatt is the number one trend on Twitter in the United States. The, it was number three, but it just ju- uh, jumped off my screen. The number three trend was Vince. Just so you know. And then uh, also the WWE, 62,000 tweets. And there's Vince. Vince, 24.4 thousand tweets. So people, yeah, are really pissed off about this. And this is what I'm talking about. It's one thing to release a bunch of guys who really surprise you. This shocks me. This is just one of those things where you're in wrestling and you're just like, why? Will there ever be an explanation? Will we ever actually understand why they released Bray Wyatt? Because it can't be money. It can't solely be a cost-cutting move. There are so many other ways to cut costs than by taking out a knee for your creative division, not just from a guy who's extremely good in the ring and on TV, but a guy who, if you put him in that creative room, if he had the foresight to say, hey, Bray, why don't you come join the creative team and work on stuff for other people too? Could have completely changed the landscape of WWE. Instead, they cut him. Last topic here, Chris, before we get out, it's where is he going to go? What's going to happen next? Um, you know, we could do this ad nauseum. I think for me, look, AEW just makes all the sense in the world, right? He was extremely close to Brody Lee. A lot of Brody's friends are already in AEW. I know what a lot of people are saying and thinking. Why don't you just have him go to AEW and he can be the new leader of the Dark Order? I don't think AEW would ever do that just because it is my belief that they want the only leader of the Dark Order to ever be Brody Lee for sentimental reasons. But if you were ever going to do it, he's the only other option. And even if you're not, bring him into AEW. It's an absolute total no-brainer. I don't care how bloated the roster is. Their roster, by the way, is way more bloated now than WWE's. Yeah. Yep. Um, way more. They have way more talent per hour of TV than WWE does. It's not even close. But he's a no-brainer to bring in there. And if I'm Bray Wyatt, not only am I working with AEW if given the opportunity, I'm going to New Japan because he could have a all-time run in New Japan Pro Wrestling. What do you think uh, You know, between those options and anything else? Yeah, I, I agree with you on, I, I, I know everybody's like, yeah, go to AW, take over the Dark Order. I'm not a fan of that. I, I think negative one, Brody's son being the leader makes sense. Also, 
it's largely a comedy group now. It and, is. And, and, group, yeah. yeah, and so that wouldn't really fit him either. But they've also had an issue of having too many spooky people at once. I mean, that's what Malachi Black's doing as well. That's what Brody was doing. They, I, I, I don't know if I, I, he doesn't even have to go be a spooky guy. He could come up with a completely new character. The guy, the guy obviously has the chops to, to do that. So at the, at this, at this point, uh, I, I'm, I hate whenever it's like, Oh, someone gets released, go to AEW because it's like, that's the easy thing to say. And for a lot of people, they don't, like we said, they don't bring as much value, but a guy like Bray Wyatt with the direction AEW seems to be going. Yeah. I would, I would have to say the same thing. Now I, I will have to see how rampage is, you know, they need more TV time if they're going to have this many talented people. Um, all on that roster but uh yeah i that would make sense or just going into horror films or something like that i don't know i mean it could be completely outside of wrestling i could he could could easily do that by the way like yeah whether it's directing or just writing or acting whatever the case he could do it i just wanted to because we opened the show uh citing a report from dave Meltzer of the wrestling observer i did want to confirm here at the end of the show that the conversation we had seems to be corroborated you know what, what this conversation was based on seems to be corroborated by multiple other sources, including PW Insider's Mike Johnson, who says WWE chose to release Bray Wyatt. And the word going around was that it was budget related reasons, similar to other cuts, such as Braun Strowman. Wyatt did not ask to be released. Um, he was called by John Laronitis. Uh, Johnson says to say that the reaction within the company was stunned would be a massive understatement, given how plugged into licensing the Wyatt character had been in recent years. Yeah. The Fiend had been a massive hit for t-shirts and action figures. That's what we said. And he also says, one source pointed the finger squarely at WWE president Nick Khan and CFO Christina Salen, saying they are so, quote, obsessed with the company not being one iota in the red line on the final ledgers, even for the most financial quarter, most recent financial quarter, that they pushed whatever they could to cut costs, um, Whereas other regimes, previous WWE regimes, would have been more lenient. So, yeah, that's really interesting. It's what we expected. Man, it's depressing. It's upsetting. It's uh, it's not. It's it's frankly, it's it's not a wrestling company at this point. When, when, when they don't when care it, about wrestling, they it, don't. It, the, the wrestling is like the last part of everything that comes into play. It's it's the marketing. It's the branding. You've talked about. I don't know if it's on this show or, or the the one we do or the one you do by yourself about how WWE's entrances are all the same. Every every single show looks the same. And, and AEW's been doing it differently, making entrances different. And they stand out that way. It's everybody's a brand. Everybody's fits in a box. And that's what they sell you. That's what they that's what they want to do. And it, it, for the most part, it works like, you know, when you ever look, you ever look at the WWE shop and be like, who the hell would buy this shirt? Then you go to a WWE show and I went to Money in the Bank. There are all kinds of people wearing those shirts that I think look terrible. So like, clearly there is an audience for a lot of this stuff. But when it comes down to it at the end, how are you growing your company? You, you, the brand can only survive on its own for so long, relying on nostalgia. Like it has to move forward. And they just haven't been able to do that. And I'm not surprised to see the stuff in there about Nick Khan, because clearly since he's uh, become the number two, they've, they've had an unreal amount of cuts this year and hired a bunch of media executives. And the direction of the company is really changing. And I, I think there's that creates even more of an opening 
for AEW, and they're certainly taking advantage of that. It's insane. Like rather than hire, I don't know, three media executives all making five hundred thousand, maybe keep Bray Wyatt. I don't know. Just me. I know people will point to like Goldberg and all that. You need to pay the Goldbergs and the Lesners and those and Edge and Cena because you still want some nostalgia. So do I like the way they use Goldberg? No, it's terrible. But him being on the payroll is fine. It's not pay Goldberg it's and, also, it's and also don't pay Bray Wyatt, but it's it's where you're spending your money. And yeah. they just, they don't get it. They don't get it. I mean, I don't know that they ever will, man. It, it's just, it's shocking. But this is another example of uh, Chris, you and I making a very smart decision because originally I was going to save this for Tuesday's show. And I figured, man, I was driving to pick up lunch and I texted you and I said, I'm just breaking the fourth wall a little bit. And I, in my head, I was like, you know what? If I save this for Tuesday's show, that show's going to be three hours. Yeah. yeah. And we're not going to be able to do it. And I said, hey, Chris, you got 20 minutes to come jump and talk about Bray Wyatt. And here we are 40 minutes into the show. Still talking about Bray Wyatt. But look, it's supposed to be an instant reaction. Let's cut it off here. Let's, let's allow this to be the instant reaction. And if anything, there's any additional fallout uh, Sunday or Monday regarding Bray Wyatt, we will cover it on Tuesday's WWE episode as we always do. And Chris, I got to say, SmackDown on Friday was really damn good. So like I yep. was in a positive WWE mood coming into the weekend. Yep, me too. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, we have a double main event. That's going to be all SmackDown this week. I was really excited for the show. And here we go. Just jammed it right in my neck. Bray Wyatt, of course, as WWE always must. So we will talk WWE on Tuesday. I'll be back Thursday with NXT and AEW. Uh, so two more shows ahead coming this week. I hope you guys... I don't want to even use the word enjoyed, but appreciated, uh, you know, had a insightful listen uh, to this instant reaction of Bray Wyatt's release from WWE. Please stick with us. Remember, we are all about the five. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. So for Vintage Chris Manini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein. And I got just three words left for you. Bye for now. 